Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WMR.FM. It's the 27th of July, 2023. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. And uh, this is the um, coming up on the last weekend of July. Next month is August, and the month after that, uh, I mean, and Many parts in the States, kids go back to school in the middle or last weeks of August. And uh, in northern northern states and in Canada, kids go back to school in early September and suddenly summer's gone. So all you folks out there in radio and podcast land, um, I hope you're listening to this outside while you're jogging or sitting in your garden or backyard or just enjoying being outside in general because summer's almost gone. Except if you live where I live. <laughs> Except if you live in the uh, in the southwest where it's perpetual <laughs> summer. It's uh, it's only 101 today, so not too bad. It's 113 yesterday. Indeed, um, <laughs> it's hot and muggy in the uh, northeast um, around the Great Lakes Basin. It's super, super hot and muggy, and the heat just descended a while ago, like about an hour ago. It went from uh, pleasantly warm to unbearably sweltering. Yeah, fortunately, we do not have humidity at 6% here today. That's that's decent for us. <laughs> so it's not as bad, but uh, you do have to be very careful here once it gets over these temps. We had two hikers uh, pass away this week. They went on a hike, and they were found only a half mile from the trail. Yeah. And didn't, have, didn't have enough water. So if you're in our kind of temperatures, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, be very careful. Make sure you water up and do not spend a lot of time outside and use your sunscreen. Well, actually, the truth is no matter where you are in North America, do that, even if you're in a very yeah. humid climate because um, the heat takes it out of you and you get heat stroke and get very, very, yes. very, very, very sick and it's only getting hotter year after exactly. year after year. So get into this. Um, but anyway, so the most important point is while you have the chance and fine, fine weather where it is hot enough to be hot, get out and enjoy it because you're, if you're listening to the show, you're probably a techie. And if you're a techie, you probably don't get out and enjoy the sun enough. Go do it. Um, okay. We started with, and we're probably going to be starting with this, with this story for a little while, as long as, as long as the strike is on and as long as it um, looms as such a, uh, 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 I don't even know what the right word for it. It's just so many cultural and um, uh, uh, employment and uh, so many impacts that can come out, outcomes that can come out of this strike, depending on which way it uh, works out. The um, actors and writers strike is ongoing. And uh, recently Netflix um, faced a, uh, faced a lot of consumer anger um, and backlash from the actors, from the actors union um, and the writers guild after posting an AI job that offers up to $900,000 for a, um, Machine an AI learning. prompter. Yeah. yeah basically a manager, a, manager. Yeah, not just yeah. Prompter, yeah. So someone who's going to figure out how AI works and machine learning works with the studio system, 
works with making movies and writing scripts and all the stuff that um, the Actors Guild and the Writers Union are terrified of. Um, and le legitimately so. My friends are on, some of my friends are on the picket lines today. Oh, actually. more than legitimately so. Again, yeah. um, as goes the, just, just like we titled last week's podcast, as goes the um, writer's strike or actor's strike, so goes um, how AI is going to be used by and large, um, at least this, this iteration of AI, this generation of AI adopters. Um, what happens in this strike dictates what happens in so many other fields uh, moving forward. Really does, and if they're paying a product, a machine learning product manager, nine hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, that sounds like a pretty big move towards using a lot of AI and a lot few actors. Uh, of course, we don't know that for sure, but definitely sounds like it. But you know, the one of the big things too is most of the actors don't even earn enough to get medical insurance. So one of the people quoted um, a Hollywood writer. Uh, wrote, Hugh vomit, this turns my stomach, stay strong comrades, the future of humanity hinges on our ability to preserve humanity. And Netflix lists two massive salary jobs in face of actors' AI concerns. Then they use a lot of profanity, which I want to mention. So, <laughs> <laughs> since the reason, one of the reasons they were striking in the first place was because AI, um, I mean, not AI, I'm sorry, uh, because Netflix doesn't pay residuals, because once they do something, they don't get further pay from it. Uh, that was one of the original issues they had. So uh, to now add AI does seem incredibly tone deaf. Well, um, this, the studios were going to be doing this. Netflix was going to be doing this strike or no strike. I bet you this yeah. position had been planned a year ago or six months ago. Um, it does, you know, read the room Netflix. Um, bad timing to put this ad up. But at the same time, it also kind of signals that at least that studio is uh digging its heels in um but yeah, you know what ai was coming to the entertainment industry oh yeah in myriad of ways um and again just to um, not completely down on ai all the time we're going to be using a good deal of ai in the production of this show in the near future what well, not actually the production of this show not so much but how to, how to say this? One of the greatest values of um, over 800 episodes of a podcast is we've had a lot of guests over the years. But we're going back 17 years and nobody's actually taken the time to properly catalog who matches up with which show on what topic or set of topics. So while we have this incredible um, archive of experts, some of the some of the greatest minds who've ever practiced SEO have come through this studio. We haven't, um, I mean, this is, we're Webmaster Radio, remember, we've been, we've been making this up as we go along. You're making um, it up before podcasts are cool. That's exactly, <laughs> we, we started podcasting before there was podcasting. Well, honestly, yeah. we we're making this up as we go along and yeah. in our um, fly by the seat of the pants way of being, we never actually recorded a lot of stuff. We recorded everything. It's all on tape, but we never put it on paper or um, even in a cheap Excel file. Um, <laughs> what we do have is years of emails and years of show notes. And 
we're just going to be dumping all that information into, you know, into, uh, or sending an AI through all that information and um, hooking up what guest was with which show talking about which topic. And that should be done in about 15 to 20 minutes after we start doing it. Nice. And then I can add it to the website I will create. (laughs) Absolutely. And if I was to do this myself, which I've been meaning to do for several years now, it would probably take me a week. Oh, gosh, at least. And which is why, I mean, now can you imagine? I had had this idle, uh, a long conversation with the, I had a long conversation with the management of Webmaster Radio this morning. And and honestly, God, could you imagine the uh, amount of time it would take to do this manually? So we're going to be using AI in the development and uh, uh, for the promotion of the show. There's a lot but, of good uses for it. Well, as we've talked about, like, we're not against AI. I'm not against AI. I'm against some of the ways it's been introduced or used. But when you're using it as a productivity help tool, we're not taking anyone's job away with this, you know, because there's just be me or you doing it. And we'd rather not do you, it. <laughs> I can so. guarantee you there is some poor intern somewhere thinking goodness that uh, yes, that they don't have to do this. <laughs> that they didn't have to do this. Um, yes. There are some tasks nobody wants to do going through this many shows. That, that definitely is one. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, that's out there. Netflix is again sort of signaled um, that it's uh, digging itself in. We They're hiring a uh, large language model uh basically they're hiring a studio head for ai basically yeah product manager but yeah and you know um what's interesting you remember the last strike they had was both sag and like after everyone struck that was you know yeah it's like late 90s early 2000s you okay. know what came out of that no reality shows because they didn't have to script and they didn't have to pay union people to do the reality shows. So that's when the reality show boom came. So I'm guessing they accelerated their plans for AI so that they, if this goes on for a while, they can make things using AI generated. Um, we shall uh, see what happens media. or not, depending on how one feels about uh, writing uh, or watching content created by scabs. Um, <laughs> exactly. So we shall see exactly. what happens or not. Just remember, my friends are out there today in 100 degree heat picketing because it means that much to them. So, okay, this is the um, we have to I think this is the stupidest story of the week or year. Um, <laughs> very real. Uh, X marks something or another. Um, <laughs> X marks the dirty spot. X marks Musk. X marks where the treasure is. X marks where the buried treasure is on that Mm -hmm. mythical map that you've been following for years and years and years, ever since you wanted to start using the damn letter X to represent who the hell knows what, but it's disruptive as hell, and boy, does it feel edgy. Well, you know what also is very interesting about the X? Um, That the X that they use for the logo is actually stolen from a font typeset, and there's two different typesets that people said it came from. So I'm not going to say which one because I'm not sure. But an old typeset from like years ago, they took the X from there. And then the next most interesting part is uh, it, 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 it did 900 cop- copyrights and trademarks. Well, yeah, everybody, everybody has a handle on X. How does that work? <laughs> Microsoft has it. Meta has it. Yeah, um, that Japan. band from Los Angeles has it. Like Japan. Japan has an X that they can't. 
they will not have they will not be able to fight the x1 in japan according to what i was reading because it is like a uh, i don't know what the, the entity is but the entity is like like iconic so they own x in japan and interestingly enough in one country uh it's banned for the temporary it's a temporary ban for porn in, uh yeah indonesia um indonesia has, right because uh, x.com is a porn site <laughs> you know what you know what the moment i saw that article being a good journalist i have i way back machine this stuff okay yeah, you, know, you just got to check, right, to be right. sure. And uh, as it turns out, um, X.com hasn't hosted porn since 2001 when when PayPal bought it. And oh, tried that's to so rebrand themselves as X.com and okay. ran into half the damn problems that Musk is running into now. But do you know who put that when they're at PayPal? Who did that? Well, Musk tried to do it at PayPal, then Peter yes. Thiel came along and punched him in the fired. head. Or something. He fired him. Because because it was a stupid idea back then. Yeah, and that that's the thing. He's trying to re to reinvent his idea from back then, which is the WeChat of the West is the everything app, everything meaning like handling financial transactions and social. Who's going to give their banking information? On and, that? and 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 it's Where? a place to put video, and maybe it's a place you can put audio files, and maybe it's a place you can share pictures of cats, and maybe you could even put websites up there too, and maybe stuff other stuff. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> as other people have suggested, Elon Musk is reinventing the internet. Well, Elon Musk is eliminating Twitter. Or whatever, and taking is. that space and reinventing the internet <laughs> in the yeah. black hole that used to be Twitter. Like seriously, what? What? The, I can't. I can't understand. Um, aside from just flailing around, throwing ideas out, um, hoping that something will work and make him look smart, I can't understand what he's trying to do. Well, according to Twitter, most this is a direct quote. For those that have we have used WeChat, I think that WeChat's actually a good model. If you're in China, you kind of live on WeChat. It does everything. It's sort of like Twitter plus PayPal plus a whole bunch of other things all rolled into one, but actually a great interface. It's an excellent app. We don't have anything like that outside of China. Of course, China lives on a in a very different ecosystem with very restricted internet. So I don't imagine that everyone's gonna suddenly leave, you know, Instagram and PayPal and all that and suddenly use uh the WeChat of the West, especially given Twitter's reputation lately because he fired everybody that does the work for security for issues for nazism which is actually a thing on twitter now so i just i don't foresee that it probably go the way he thinks but um he thinks that he can make this app do everything and you could do direct payments and you can do um send money anywhere instantly real time i can already do that on multiple apps it's it's, it's like he's inventing something from 2001 when they first invented it that they might have needed then that nobody needs now because we already have stuff that does all that. You know what people I can didn't... Venmo, I can Zelle, I can PayPal, I can Wise, I can like I don't need another app to pay people. You know what else people didn't need? Um that, that comes back from the from the early two Ks? Another Kevin Costner movie about nothing. And this is Tin Cup all over again. <laughs> well, but Elon Musk is just, you know, taking the same stupid chip shot over and over and over again just to see if he can do it. And it's not gonna happen, dude. It's just not going to happen. No, I mean, I'd be really surprised if it happens. First, nobody trusts. I mean, he does have stands to trust him, but most people do not trust Elon Musk at this point. And they don't trust the tech behind what he's doing. 
because it's had so many problems. And then we already have apps that do all this stuff. So, and then he's saying he's going to pay creators. Well, you know, we found out what creators he's paying recently on Twitter, and they happen to be mostly, uh, you know, white supremacists and Nazis. I'm not saying that as a slur, like literally white supremacists and Nazis. Literally, not, supremacists, yeah. not white supremacists and Nazis, literally. yes. Yeah, literally Nazis. Literally and, a few people, people, and a few people who aren't. Some big money went to some of those people. But those people already get that from things like, um, what is the name of it? It starts with a B. Like they wanted, no, 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 Patreon. There was actually one that's, and I don't know, I can't think of the name, uh, that during the January 6th. Perfect, Patreon. No, it's not. Because no, no, they're all perverts, too, eh? They're always no, trying to okay. perverts. But in January 6th, there were guys that were going there to film it. <laughs> they literally were making $100,000 a year going to these events as they were white nationalists and extremists. Don't uh, Parlay? No, it starts with a B. Um, no. But anyway, but but anyway, so they would get paid as they were like filming. People would pay them. So people, already, they already get, there's already apps for all this stuff. So what was my point? And uh, again, Elon Musk is trying to reinvent or uh, colonialize everything that's already out there, colonize everything yeah. that's already out there, and it's uh, nonsensical. So much so, sorry, that... it's Rumble, Rumble, not Rumble. Me. Okay, Rumble, yeah, Rumble. So all of his advertisers are back. I shouldn't say all. Many of his advertisers are back. Right? And, and in fact, yeah, I understand that that he's lost about half of them. Yeah. Um, and so for a limited time, he's offering. 50% off new bookings uh, figures, eh? Um, so, yeah, he, he's he's so desperate to win uh, advertisers back that he's half cajoling them by offering them a discount and half threatening them by telling them if they don't side back up, he's not going to protect their brand. Yeah, you'll lose your verified status if you don't spend 1000 on ads in the previous 30 days or 6000 in the previous 180 days. Now, so uh, that happens be... as of August 7, right? So that you got a right. couple of weeks before you're completely exposed. Yeah, and the ha and the, the 50% only lasts till the 31st. So he's only giving a very little limited limited discount. July but, 31st. Yeah, not July August 31st. 31st. No, July yeah, 31st. July 31st. So, but uh I can't I don't know many companies that I mean when you get to the big brands it's different, but we, we kind of imagine American uh, commerce is being all big brands, but it's really not. I mean, there's a lot of mid-sized to small brands and there's no way they can afford or would need a thousand dollars worth of ads from Twitter in 30 days. Not to mention right now, you don't know if that ad's going to show up next to a white supremacist or an anti-Semite or a Nazi because he literally let all those people back on the platform. So I can't imagine even the 50% or the threat is going to make people go. Unfortunately, once a bully, always a bully, but you can't bully people into buying your product if they don't want your product. So they're just not going to use it. Like Twitter isn't that good for them anyway. Like TikTok is much better. Facebook is much better as an investment of your ad dollars. So who's going to go to Twitter just because they threaten to take away their verified? They're just going to shut their accounts down. I'm not. A, I've, I've never been a big Twitter user, but as I understand it, Twitter is where you go when you want to get a message out. It's not necessarily where you go if you want to get a lot of traffic coming back to your site. So you got a campaign going with this well-crafted landing page and you know, you got a really good offer that you're making to, to the consuming public. Twitter mightn't be the best place to, to expend your time and expect return traffic. Um, you'll probably do a hell of a lot better at Facebook, believe it or not. Or Insta or you know, or uh, TikTok is very good for that too. TikTok also started text. But, but, but seriously, is that yeah. true? Twitter Twitter tends to yeah. drive less traffic than the other 
uh, than comparable social networks? Uh, you know, I don't know the actual statistics right now, but generally, yes, Twitter is one of the, the, the lesser providing because Twitter is more about getting your message out in the now, in the know, right? So you're a new site and your journalists on there and there's a breaking story and everyone wants to know what's going on. They go to Twitter and they see the trends and they go and they check it out and it trends all day long. But as far as like your ads running through the system, most people don't click on them. Also because of the way Twitter works, you're like in there for the in and now, not just to read a post. So you don't want to leave the site. But also a lot of people now because of Musk have blocked ads. So they've completely blocked the ads in the network. So you know, they won't see them. So you have a lot smaller range than you think you do because you actually, these people actually are not seeing your ads. So, uh, yeah, so I, don't, I just, I think this is going to be the final death knell because what company is going to spend $6,000 on ads on Twitter in 180 days, every 180 days? Like that's, well, that's three months, right? So we're talking $24,000 a year on Twitter ads? You know what you get when you take an X and you turn it 45 degrees? What do you get? Cross. And you know what you bury under crosses? Dead stuff. De dead birds? <laughs> dead birds, yeah, dead birds. I think, um, honestly, I, I, I don't see a, uh, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm rooting for the communications medium, but um, obviously I'm not, I'm, I, I can't root for the owner of the communications medium. No. But, um, and I've seen a lot of big accounts that have just like have weathered all this saying they're staying because they want to make sure that people get like good information or things like that. Um, saying in the last 48 hours that they're leaving this, they're done. This is enough. They're finished. Even in our industry, there are people that have decided to cut, shut their accounts. So I just don't think that you can, you can run a company by trying to bully your consumers. It just doesn't work. And they may put up with it for a little while, but then they don't. And he's going to be left basically with the 4chan of the internet trying to read through WeChat from China. And I just don't perceive that as probably going to be really successful, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, I will yeah. say one thing. Can I do one pet peeve though real quick? Yeah. He's expanded the character count to 25,000 characters. Yeah. If, what? So you, know, you, can yeah. you can publish a small novel on Twitter now? Yes. And people with egos do that. And I want to tell everybody out there, so you know, when you write one of those long things, they get much less engagement because nobody wants to read your blog post on Twitter. Also, the way it looks is really wonky, so it's really not the easiest thing to read anyway. But if I'm on my mobile phone and getting 25,000 characters from you or 2,000 characters from you, I am not happy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to read that on my phone. So anyways, uh, but they are showing that if you're doing those large character counts on Twitter, people are not engaging with it nearly as often. Far fewer shares and far fewer reads. Oh, for some reason, for some reason, I just had this really stupid fantasy of the great Alan Blywythe um, uh, somehow um, pioneering um, the art of the snappy Twitter audit. Uh, <laughs> you know, Twenty-five thousand words, Alan. You could get a whole bunch of you know some of you, some some of Alan's favorite words are quite short, right? Like like four letters actually, and so uh, you know he 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 packed quite a bit into there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like um, uh, Barry Adams yesterday from uh, overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he's done. He's leaving, so he's no longer has his account there. If you want to find him? You gotta Barry's find him had a Twitter account since what two thousand seven or like forever. Forever, yeah, and he does a lot of uh, Google News stuff on there. I follow him. Well, I'm friends with him, but I also follow him because of his you know news tweets because he's really knowledgeable about all that, and I do news sites, so. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. 
And it would be really, here's one of the pities. Um, Of all the venues that John Mueller um, interacts in, Twitter is where he makes his best smart-ass remarks or his best (laughs) crazy remarks. Um, And I really like this one um, because this has kind of been a... uh, annoyance of mine for years and years and years, but with the advent of AI, um, it's just been crazy. The uh, John Mueller um, uh, was asked about programmatic SEO, um, calling it a fancy banner banner for spam. Okay, so um, SEO Lily Raid noticed that a whole bunch of sites are using what she calls programmatic SEO by scraping and repurposing data from like other sites, uh, which will create a, bun- a massive number of landing pages that are totally specific to whatever topic. Um, you know, you can think of think of when you want to make, uh, you were working on lawyer sites and you had like, uh, or real estate sites, and you want to represent every city in uh, America. So you talked about the parks and the schools and all that good content that you could scrape from uh, public, from, you know, public databases or Wikipedia or whatever, other people's websites. Sure, but people have been doing this for years. But with AI, there's just like massive amounts of badly scraped, mostly accurate, but rapidly compiled and released onto the internet content that is um, ranking really well in Google. So it's not even Google or Bing or whatever using AI to come out and create um, result sets that may or may not be accurate. It's Google using its regular algorithm, you know, that is known for being able to ferret out what is and isn't factual, sort of. Not factual. Well, what is and isn't linked to and has a, you know, has a whole bunch of um, other people are sort of um, vouching for the, the validity of the content. There's so much bogus content out there right now, and it's just being so rapidly created, and it's ranking at Google that, you know, it's um, it's not about the AI going out and finding weird and compiling weird results. It's about the information that results are being compiled from being weirded to begin with. Well, and, and, and on the, the plagiarized part of it, Google, this is in my talk I did this this week, or uh, last mm-hmm. week, two weeks ago in Amsterdam. Um, so it's from 20, uh, November 30th, 2022. So in general, Barry Schwartz, like Google has says we have algorithms to detect and demote AI altered plagiarized content. Well, that was 2022. So when's it going to happen? <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing though. Here's my thought on that. So a lot of times in the groups, you'll see people go, I did this entire site with AI content and I'm talking plagiarized scraping, just AI content, which is plagiarized scraping in a different oh, way. Oh, sure it is. But, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but they're like, well, my whole site's ranking is awesome. And then you see them like three months later come back and they're like, you know, that site I was doing all AI, it's like tanked totally and I can't get anything back. Because Google's, you know, algorithms, they don't just see your site day one and then they kill you for it, right? It can be over. It's usually over time, usually like three or six months span. So you might put all that out there and it may rank for a while and then it won't. And then most of the people that do this kind of sites, so they have like a dozen sites behind it. They just turn and burn. So they're like, yeah, whatever. That three months that they were doing quite well, they were actually making money off that site. So they put something else up somewhere else. Well, like the site we talked about that scraped Amazon and they made it like $800,000. I don't know if it was a month or over three months, but that no, a lot they, of money. they lasted. They lasted almost eight months. Eight months. Okay. But they're making tons of money where someone turned them in. They Google's algorithms just didn't find them, but, but the algorithms do tend to find you. And, and the other thing too, that they've been very 
specific about with the helpful content update, if you're just regurgitating what already exists, they don't really care to index you. And Gary Isha has even said in, his, in LinkedIn that uh, they will not be indexing as much content anymore. So if you're doing AI content, scraping content, AI content, you're just regurgitating what's out there. But the helpful content update isn't going to hit you day one. You know, it's a learning algorithm too. So you may be fine for six months or a year. And then one day you wake up and your site's gone. You have no more traffic and you're figuring out why you can't get your site back. It's because you just regurgitated what already exists from other people's sites. And Google knows that. They already had algorithms before the helpful content that did this, but they definitely have the helpful content that does that as well. Well, that's, I mean, my only reaction to that is let's hope this uh, prompts natural and, you know, creative writing, uh, uh, even, 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 you know, creative um, copywriting. Trust me, it can be. Um, because uh, uh, I'm more concerned how to, how to say this properly, because it's a fairly complex thought. Um, you were right to call me earlier when I said, you know, Google's able to ferret out what is and isn't true. That's not true. Google tries to ferret out what is and isn't true, and it has a number of tests to do that. Uh, the first well, of which used to be if people took the time to link to it, it's probably valuable to them. Yeah, so they use algorithms to determine sites that would be quality, and quality sites generally aren't putting out false information. That's, that's um, basically how they address that. They don't actually look at the content because how would you know what's true and factual? It changes on a minute-to-minute -minute, minute basis. Yeah, so Google tries really, really hard. But now there's whole groupings of corpuses, of lists of information that was generated by AI that is probably mostly factually correct and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. Maybe it is. Like, it probably might be if it was instructed um, really well but you don't know and there's tons of this content out there and it's just being pulled together release pulled together release i don't there's a heck of a lot of editing going on given this is a churn and burn um tactic right right yeah and that terrifies me that really scares me because that all that information is the information that the rest of the web gets weighed against it's going to get wonky in the weirdest ways a couple of years from now well at another time we have to have talk about the wonkiness because they're running out of material to train on and that's been Causing issues. Also, most recently, um, they did a bunch of tests on like ChatGPT4, and it's becoming significantly dumber, as we talked about last week. So, you know, be careful of your AI content. I, I give talks on it. One of the biggest things I say, the most important slide of my deck is you always have to have human review of AI anything, because it may or may not be right. You must be careful, or your quick brown fox will bump into the lazy dogs, and then it's in trouble. It's true. That's true. That slide is actually in my in my deck. What you had a quick brown fox bumping into lazy dogs? Are you kidding? Really? Like I just not made that up. Not exactly, but but Ryan, our friend Ryan Jones, has been on the show. He tweeted about how it doesn't analyze, and he said, "What is missing in this sentence? The quick brown fox jump over the lazy dog, and it said J is missing in the sentence, but there's a J in the sentence because it doesn't analyze, right?" So it doesn't analyze anything. It's just the next predictive word. So he's like, you are wrong. You get an F. How would you rate yourself? Because that's not the missing letter. It's S. Oh, I'm very sorry. You're right. It is S. And then it goes on. So it was just a funny exchange I put in my deck because it points out how it doesn't analyze things. And he uses that sentence multiple times to show how it doesn't analyze things. It just repeats the next most likely word. I have to, I have to um, uh, message him afterwards and thank him for the uh, psychic brainwave. <laughs> that's the only way to explain it obviously I'm ryan and i are on the exact same brainwave 
exactly. Clearly. I brought a few. I had to do the deck this week. I had it in my mind. <laughs> so. Oh. Okay, so given that um, AI is everywhere and like MSG is being butted into pretty much everything to, you know, taste for flavoring and stuff, um, and that the most recent stories about AI have tended to stray away from the wonders of artificial intelligence and are tending to focus on the blunders of artificial intelligence, and there's, we have a whole lineup of stories here um, on our on our on our uh, news sheet that talk about um, safety guards, watermark tools, um, safe and responsible forums um, in which uh, the major AI creators are going to collaborate to create um, safer and responsible new models. Um, uh, uh, basically, the super rush to install guardrails. Yeah, so the so first, let's just talk about the big fail this week because they quietly shut it down. And OpenAI shut down their AI detection tool because it's wrong most of the time. Mm -hmm. So that's good because there are poor students and stuff getting Fs on papers because teachers are running through the one OpenAI gave them and it didn't work. But OpenAI was supposed to put watermarks into their technology, which they hadn't done yet. But this new group we're talking about, the Frontier Model Forum, which includes Google, Microsoft, OpenAI, and I can never say that other company, Apothic, I think that's the name of it. Um, um, anthropo anthro anth anthropic, anthropic. Anthropic, that's it, that's how you say it. So when I read it, I'm like, how do you say this? So anthropic, um, they got together uh, with uh, the President of the United States and they started working on how they're going to make it safer. So one of the things on the, and it's called the Frontier Model Forum, and they're going to come up with guardrails that they all agree they will use. So it won't just be like one company in the U.S. using, it'll be all the majors. And right now, the major companies are driving all of this because you don't have the money. No small company has the money to make their own models. They have to use the models that exist. So one of the things they're going to be adding is watermarking the AI content. But they're all going to agree to do it so that everything from deep fakes to images to text, they will have watermarking in there that will make it clear that this came from from AI. Now, once you put that in another tool and have it rewrite it, I don't know how sustainable, you know, how it will work yet because they haven't said. Um, but it is cryptographic watermarking, so it will be different on every document, and it will be random, like. There'll be a period in the spot or there'll be a, a letter I or something like that. So it'll be very random. It won't be easy to like just to beat. And uh, I can say Adobe has been responsible about this because Adobe's new AI tool puts in the information about the image that people can look at that the image is um, AI generated. Even if you started with an original image, it's going to say it's AI generated. And then Google is actually adding to its images collection from that watermarking. They're going to add and mark things as AI generated in search. So it, it is a nice step forward to see all the companies come together and say that they're going to agree on, you know, how they're going to do this. And then they're all going to do those things. Now, whether that works in practice, we'll see. But at least it's a nice step forward because right now it's just been the wild, wild west and everybody does what they do. So I think that's a positive. It, well, it is a positive. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with, um, especially in advance of um, pretty much every uh, government, large and small on earth, racing to come up with uh, with ideas of their own on AI. Um, 
I know that uh, Congress is, is racing to understand and legislate. Uh, the Canadian Parliament is racing to understand and legislate. Um, EU is racing to understand and legislate. And the problem when legislators race to get stuff done um, is they often overlook a lot of stuff because for good or for ill, um, our legislators um, aren't often um, competent. Tech savvy? <laughs> well, tech, tech savvy, that's, that's a nicer way to say it. I was gonna say yeah. competent when it comes to the internet, but tech savvy, indeed. Tech savvy, yeah. Um, as we go along, we're having, uh, you know, younger um, legislators will understand the new environment better than older legislators who never had to understand the environment. But, um, but still, AI is very complex. So, I mean, there's a lot of people in our industry who don't understand it. We're all in tech every day. So I think that's a specialized niche. But you're right. They usually well, do have difficulties it, understanding. It, it's, easy, it's so much easier to, 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 to spot the uh, people in our industry who don't understand it than it is the people in Congress who don't understand it. Because yeah. people in our industry who don't understand it are calling themselves experts. I mean, it's, so easy <laughs> it's like two hours after ChatGPT dropped, there were like 10 articles on how to use it. For actually, you know what? Let me retract that right now. Yeah. I'm absolutely retracting that. That was a generalist joke. There are some actual serious experts on AI in oh, our yeah. industry for of good course. or for yeah. ill um for real yeah, there are. Yeah. but you know what yeah. most of them most of them ain't running around bragging about it no and they're not writing articles literally two hours after ChatGPT dropped on how to use it for SEO <laughs> yeah. yeah but um so interesting enough by the way um the the group that came to to the Biden call together is are the leaders in the industry so they will be making the rules with oversight but they have already agreed to third-party testing before releasing any of their models to the public and that they will clearly label all AI-generated content. Now, I don't know how they're going to enforce that from going from tool to tool, but I guess they could really simply make a law that if you take off the label, like your mattress still has a, you know, a tag on it. If, uh, and if also, you take off the label, that you could, you could be fined or something. Very worth keeping in mind. Um... These are only the largest players. There are a number of smaller players that are um, working independently. And while the largest players may set a template, unless it's legislated, um, the smaller players don't necessarily have to follow it. Or they might set frameworks, uh, ethical frameworks, but the smaller players um, don't have to follow it. And I'm, I'm suspecting that um, the nameless AI that we reported on last week, um, that is just a malicious, it's meant to be malicious. Yeah, creates malware. They're not going to follow um, any framework come no. up by the, come up with but with by the big houses, so we're still in the wild west mentality. Um, and until well, there's, until there's a way to to actually police bad actors in the environment, I'm not really sure what can be done. That is very true. But the the one thing is, if the big the, the people that are uh, in agreement, you know, on doing certain things to protect, like third party evaluations and labels. Um, are all doing that, then it'll be easier to be suspicious of somebody who's not doing that and less likely maybe to fall for like the malware scam or something. So, or the deep fake, like all deep, all deep, you know, all AI generated videos have to have a label on it and this one doesn't, it's probably easier to say, well, this one might be a little sus. So, um, you know, there's a kind of the norms that can also kind of force people to want to be good players into doing the right things. Um, but you're right. The bad players are always doing bad things. But it's like my my sociology professor always said: uh, locks only on um, bikes only keep honest people honest. 
So honest people might go, oh, I might borrow that bike. Oh, there's a lot. Never mind. Right. But the dishonest person will have the. They can't have free on to break the yeah. lock. Yeah. Because, the, yeah. So you can't stop that. But you definitely can help prevent people from being suckered in by a deep fake video that Godzilla has just entered your town and is destroying it. So. Well, and ultimately, that's. By the way, where... the real thing someone fell for. Oh, of course they did. Ultimately, yeah. that's where the, the great protection has to come in. Um, the state can't protect you against AI. The state can't protect you against investment scams. They can pass laws against uh, uh, fraud, but they can't protect you from getting scammed. Only you can. So media literacy understanding um, everything one possibly can about how content gets generated, why it gets generated, and why people might wish to manipulate content. Um, it's honest, media literacy moving forward, especially in an age where we're just getting smacked by more and more and more media, is the only defense against um, uh, the, the, the coming era of um, AI-enhanced um, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, my feces. But yes. Um, and here's the saddest thing, the thing that bugs me the most. There's actually most information out there, most people who put information out there who try to cover stories, who try to be journalists, are trying as hard as they possibly can to get the right information, to get something, you know, a reasonable facsimile yeah. to factual. Um, and those people's efforts are being trusted less and less and less each day. That's the saddest part. That is the saddest part, but that's also a whole bunch about the, the fake news generation and things like that. So, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, but that's a different talk for a different thing. On, on to something much more fun. As to the, back in the day, when, 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 before there was like such a plethora of, um, before, before the mainstream media really cared about the tech world, um, especially the search world, Reporting season used to be the most fun time in the in the in, 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 in the, 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 the the tech journalism space. Um, nowadays, everyone loves checking out Google's earnings, Bing's earnings, um, Meta's earnings, etc. But back in the day, nobody cared what Google was making except for the people in the machine itself. Um, so it's reporting season! Oh my goodness! Yay! Uh, earnings calls, yes. And this is when we actually learn what's going on underneath. The, this is the closest we're going to get to learning what's really going on beneath the hood. Everything else is conjecture and uh, public, public relations, right? They put out a PR. We try to decipher what they say. These are real numbers. So Google ad revenue is up 3.3% and Bing ad revenue is up 8%. Um, Google's ad revenue is um, actually pretty close. It's raising a little slower than first quarter to second quarter. Uh, first quarter um, ad revenues increased over the quarter previously. But Bing, on the other hand, um, had a much better second quarter than first quarter. It did. Although yeah. we have to be, you have to be fair here too. The percentage number in dollars are probably very different because things numbers are much lower than Google. So getting 8% growth versus 3% growth could be very yeah. Monet what, monetarily. What, what I'm talking 3% growth at Google, check this out, okay? Yeah. 
in uh, 2022, last year, the quarter ending June 30th, so end of last month, second quarter of the of the year, 2022, Google made approximately because you know it's between friends we round stuff up here, 69 billion 685 million in revenues. In 2023, same period, uh, same three month period ending uh, June 30th, they made 74 billion 604 million dollars, more or less, give or take. So that's a lot of money in one quarter. That's a three month period. That's the revenues they brought in. Now yeah. they had a ton of expenses, you know, they have operating income, um, it costs a lot to run decommissioned to, to run decommissioned dams to cool your servant, your, your, your uh, processing centers. Yeah. Um, and you know, those, those, those employees, they cost a pretty penny too. Yeah. When you get rid of a bunch of it helps. <laughs> At the end of it all, Google's net income in, uh, Last quarter, $33,419,000,000. That's a, uh, only, that's a 3% increase on the $32,438,000,000 uh, they made at this time last year. Uh, that, and that's, that again, that's year to date. That's, that, that is some money. That is some money. My head hurts actually <laughs> but you know um, we'll, we'll see how they do next year because he wants to break them up and uh, i noticed they've been selling off some things so we'll, we'll see what happens uh but yeah it is up right now although when you look at like bing's earnings if you look at it the long term they're way down from where they were in g122 which is 40 percent growth so they have eight percent growth this time but it's not eight percent growth over last quarter in q323 because that was that was 10 so yeah they've been they've been seeing um ad revenues decreasing um since yeah. 20 since q1 2022 fairly significantly yeah um and that's uh there was a the quick they got their quick ai bump which actually wasn't as much a bump as it was holding even um yeah you should yeah. held even yeah the users that were already there used more but they didn't increase market share it didn't help them the real winners this year seem to be LinkedIn, who increased um, uh, 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 ad revenue on lower traffic. Yeah, well, you know, as we know from Google, it depends on how you place those ads in your products. So Google's ad revenue goes up because it confuses users and where the ads are. Then they go up for a quarter and then people figure out where they are and then they go down. So I think LinkedIn's probably along those lines. LinkedIn is like my least favorite platform. Yeah, I, yeah. I, um, LinkedIn could be excellent. Um, if people would only stick to business in it, it would be a wonderful place. But the problem is when you ever go to LinkedIn, you get jumped by like three or four vendors who really, really, really want your attention right now. Yes, and all the spam I get in the email. Like I remember in the days, the people that have been around for a while will know, there used to be a day when you LinkedIn, if you tried to, message anybody or add anybody you didn't know and they rejected it after six of those you lost your account you're suspended really i don't remember that yeah really? oh yeah yeah way back in the day if you tried to add someone you didn't know and they didn't they didn't request it yeah you you, you had to make sure that someone was going to accept your um adding them because oh my, they would, they would suspend your account yeah now i get like you know 50 spam emails from certain countries every single day i wish i could just eliminate those countries and I'm not going to do business with them because they're not, you know, 
in my country, I do business with. So just eliminate them. I don't need your guest post or your links or your, you know, whatever it happens to be. I honestly have no idea how my career survives. I don't go to LinkedIn for that exact reason. I can't stand the environment. When I go there, I get jumped by, um, and I feel terrible because I write, and anybody who writes me, I will write them back. Um, and it just makes me feel crappy to say no to everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. More Google stuff. So that was, that was earnings. Uh, everyone made a lot of money. Um, some didn't make as much money as quickly as, as they anticipated, but they all made a lot. Um, this is kind of neat. Uh, and this, I think for, I mean, the importance of reviews in, uh, in e-commerce, uh, can't be understated. Google really, really, really cares about what the consumers say about the products. Um, they may or may not be buying off of you. Um, well, they really care about the products consumers say they bought off you. They don't really care about products that consumers haven't bought off you. Um, but they want to know the <laughs> consumer's impression. And if you can, if you can deliver it and um, consistently have uh, strong reviews from consumers about your products on your pages, um, Google will reward that. But Google's testing categorizing the type of review that's left. So there could be a family at a, at a uh, hotel site or Airbnb. It could be um, a, uh, a, a, single, uh, a single person um, who purchased a makeup set. It, you, know what I, you know what I mean? It could be um, whatever, re whatever type of person left the review, whatever demographic information they, they, they um, leave whilst giving review, um, Google is, um, or perhaps just signed into their Google account while giving, while giving the review, Google is separating them into the type of consumer they are and listing, um, you know, review, family, review, single. I wonder how they know that. Like, I know if it's a family in it maybe, but. Uh, I'm, you know what, I'm afraid that neither Google or um, Barry Schwartz uh, really expanded on how they know that. I'm guessing it's reviewers who have already given Google this, a lot of this information. Um, Google knows who you are, right? You signed Very into nice. your Google account. As long as they don't um, uh, give um, identifying information about you, like where you live, um, your demographics, you've already told them they can share that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but just like I'm a solo traveler, like I live in a vacation town, right? Tourism town. I go stay on the strip sometimes, you know, meeting their people for conferences. I'm with friends, but so I'm not solo. So like, I don't know. I just think it's a little weird, but I mean, it could be helpful if it's accurate. Yeah, it could definitely be helpful. Just kind of curious how they know that information. What I'm really looking forward to, I have I have a couple um, uh uh, business to consumer sites in 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 state my stable of clients and something I'm really looking forward to is um, seeing if identifiable reviews tend to tend to help the page they're on perform better than non-identifiable reviews so if um and also if the review is like the target, group or individual that should be using the product again the vacation home and a family that goes together like bread and butter right yeah um so will that get rewarded more than just a review that doesn't give that kind of information 
will be seen as more valuable. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I, you know, we'll see when it comes out and once we know more about how it works. But I'm just, I'm a little cautious that it's going to be accurate enough to be helpful, but it might be. So. Google's experimenting with it. Um, according, again, according to, uh, to uh, Barry Schwartz at SE Roundtable. Um, and I don't know. I think, um, remember the... Um, what did they call it? Cohorts. Uh, uh, those had the stupidest name. Um, remember when Google um, was being forced away from universal analytics and they started talking about cohorts of interests and started yeah. dividing? Uh, yeah, yeah. God, I don't remember what that term was. So that's where I think they're drawing this from. Definitely possible. Until we know, though, I, would, I wouldn't say you know. Oh, indeed, indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is all speculation. 100% speculation. Um, but knowing that, and again, you can you can access what Google thinks about you and your product. That information in uh, in uh, 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 GA four. Um, again, uh, give it a couple of weeks. Somebody much smarter than me, or maybe me, if I get around to actually <laughs> looking at it, um, will find will find the correlations that suggest yeah. this is what Google's actually doing. By the way, speaking of analytics, did you see that uh, Sweden's privacy watchdog issued a million dollars worth of fines for violations of GDPR to analytics this month? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> okay, so an EU country is mad at Google for violating its privacy uh, laws in one way or another and has assigned the fine that isn't even a rounding error to them. I know, right. But the funny thing is, G4 was the we were told they had to move to G4 because it had to be GDPR compliant. Well, I'd also understood that um, that G4 was GDPR compliant, um, uh, that, that the EU had signed off on this last week. Yeah, is that not true? Know. Well, this is a little bit early in the month when they gave them the fine. So if it had changed, it, it could have changed in the last two weeks. I don't know. Uh, but it was that because data was going to another country. Um, so it goes like Google fonts actually violates the GDPR because data goes to Google with your IP address. So if you want to use Google fonts in the, G in the GDPR country, you have to locally host them. So that it doesn't go to Google. Um, the NAC um, kind of intercepts all communications that go through the United States to begin with. It says so NAC? right the NAC? And as, sorry, it says so right in the Patriot Act. Um, so I'm a, I, I'm unsure what Norway's court is reacting to because um, this has been going on since 2001. Um, <laughs> now, not saying that it should be going on because I don't like my communications going through a foreign government security service, which happens to me daily. Um, and it's been happening since 2001. Yeah. But... Um, I don't expect the Canadian courts to react to it so strenuously at this late date. Yeah, well, I think it's because G4 is a change. So they probably were evaluating G4. So. Well, yeah, I know. But again, it's the Norwegian's court. It's the Norwegian courts um, specifically pointing to the Patriot Act as the reason they're assigning Google the million dollar fine because Google, an American corporation, can't get around American law. Yeah, like, that one weirds that. me out. I, I don't understand the court's <laughs> logic there. Um, maybe I maybe I'm misreading this long article here, but I don't think I am. 
Um, <laughs> you know, they don't care about our law. They, they just care that Google's violating it. So, which is, I mean, I, I get it. It's fine. I mean, privacy in the United States is terrible. We have very few laws that protect us. So, um, and they have many laws that do protect them. And the French and Italian watchdogs are also saying the same thing. They're telling people not to use Google Analytics. That they should they should not use it on their websites. So well, I don't know how many are listening to that, but um, for what it's worth, the more I'm using Google Analytics for, I do not like it as much as I like Dan uh, uh, Universal Analytics or Google Analytics as, oh, we, it's as we knew it. It's horrible. But you know what? I'm finding more and more and more. Um, first off, there's an entire library of things you can measure using GA4. Um, look at that library, see what pertains to your website and to your needs. Um, but there's a number of things. Um, if you um, if you use GA4 properly, um, you can get a lot more granular about the um, value and efficacy of individual visits. No, not individual visits. I don't Anonymous. know that John yeah. Smith showed up, but I do know that that visit at that time, this user and they're assigned a numerical avatar. Um, I can tell you quite a bit about what that visit did and the value in, of, of, of that visit. I can tell you the average value per visit. Saved a uh, account the other day because I was able to prove that even though we're driving far more traffic, revenue per user is is declining and that's that ain't us. We're getting yeah. you the traffic. Um, the, the problem with G4 is it requires third-party platforms to get meaningful information, and you need someone who understands data analysis to run it. Indeed. So, yeah, that's, and most, that's... even SEOs who are very experienced, I saw them in the forums this week. Finally, people are talking. Oh, I'm not. I'm, people are yeah. very, very upset. So, no, no, uh, I know you're saying that there are some useful things on it. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm not as happy as I was with, really... with UA3. I loved UA3 because I did it did exactly what I needed it to do because I had years to adapt it, adapt my operation to it what also, it did. It also did a lot of straight data reporting, which G4 is terrible at. And G4, like just setting it up, is just incredibly convoluted and difficult because you need a data analyst to do all of it. So for companies that have people like you that are super smart about data and, you know, people we have friends who can help us, you know, it's one thing, but I, I saw a very well-known SEO who's really good, super smart and very mathematical and statistical in a forum this week saying, I feel stupid because I can't get this, just give me a basic report. And unfortunately that's what clients tell me. And the clients feel really stupid because they don't have that background. Like he knows he should understand it. But he doesn't. So what's going on? But the clients tell me like they just feel like dumb trying to use G4, so one they don't the use problems, it anymore. One of the problems with GA4, from a from an interface point of view, is it's you oft, I often feel like it, each feature, tool, or metric um, it has tries to do too much in the same space. So you have to be really careful about the settings, like. It will always default back to its original default setting. So you can't set it, go away a couple screens and come back again and expect it to remember what you had set before. So you gotta be super careful as you're generating uh generating analytics. That's rough. That's not good. <laughs> I haven't got most of my clients aren't using G4 right now, so I haven't got the deep dive. I really need to get into a deep dive this this coming week. I was waiting until I got back from Amsterdam. <laughs> So, but yeah, that's pretty bad. 
So, and the only reason I'm saying this is not to harp on it. Everyone knows G4 is terrible and everyone's told Google G4 is terrible for two years. But just so if people are listening and they feel like they just don't get it and they're feeling dumb, don't feel dumb. The program is not user-friendly and it's not friendly to people that don't do data analysis already. No, it's not. But I am telling you, number one, working on the premise that it's very hard to break something unless you're really trying to go explore. Like go, don't worry about the outcome. Just go explore in GA4. Try to figure out what you're looking at. Don't save any settings on your explorations until you're actually confident you know what you're looking at. Um, and then start looking at the libraries, different report libraries. You might find stuff quite valuable there. Um, and again, I absolutely didn't intend to pull a metric out of GA4 um, that ended up saving an account. Um, but I happened to I, I happened to cro across it um, while obsessing on this account um, half an hour before they come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> I always love it when you find the thing right before they come to Jesus meeting. Well, here's the thing: I was and and then again, I know we did our work. I know we did our work well um, on our end. Um, we did the technical SEO. And that's, that was our job. Um. So, uh, and and again, uh, GA4 helped me prove it. And that was so, awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> and that brings us full clock. We've gone, we've gone full circle around um, on the 27th of July, 2023. Next time we talk to you friends out there in podcast land, it's going to be August, which means summer will really almost be over. And just to, you know, put a fine point on it, get out there and enjoy yourselves. On behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.fm, recorded live to podcast on the 27th of July, 2023. Be kind, rank well, um, get out there and enjoy summer while you can, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.